Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. How are kids faring during the COVID-19 pandemic? A new national survey reveals that Vermont ranks first in the nation for family housing stability and health insurance, but mental health and food security show signs of trouble. Here to discuss the state of kids under COVID are three advocates. Sarah Teal is the research director at Voices for Vermont Children. Faye Mack is the advocacy and education director at Hunger Free Vermont. And Erhard Manka is a coordinator at the Vermont Affordable Housing Coalition. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation, uh, all three of you. Uh, I would like to begin with Sarah Teal from Voices for Vermont's Children. Sarah, maybe you could just give us an overview of what this latest report uh, tells us about the state of Vermont's children and families during the pandemic. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so first, Kids Count is a national project. There's a Kids Count partner organization in every state, and Voices for Vermont's Children is that partner in Vermont. Um, they periodically come out with reports, and you may also know them as the the organization that publishes the annual kids count rankings, which rank child well-being um, from state to state. But this report in particular really wanted to um, answer some questions about how the pandemic is impacting families with children and make some recommendations about where policymakers can prioritize um, their responses. What are the key findings that you found right now? So what they did is look at census. Uh, there's a new census survey that's been ongoing throughout uh, the pandemic. <clears throat> it's called the, the Pulse Survey. And um, it's sort of a rapid response uh, data collection to look at things that aren't usually captured um, in the regular census data uh, about the pandemic specifically. So what they found, um, they, they looked at all of this data and all the questions that were being asked and they found these sort of honed in on these four pain points, they call them, having to do with housing, having to do with food security, mental health, and access to health insurance, which they're using as a, you know, a proxy for both access to healthcare and for economic, you know, another point of economic uh, security. So for some of these points, Vermont, uh, fared pretty well, at least in the snapshot in time that's dealt with um, in this report, which is basically um, fall. <laughs> they looked at, you know, about a month from uh, September, October to November, I think it was. Um, and if people are interested, there's uh, data for the whole, the whole summer, and it will be new data um, ongoing as this survey continues, but it's on the, the Kids Count Data Center. So people can look at different points in time if they want. But um, anyway, what they found was Vermont faring pretty well in terms of housing security, um, people anticipating um, not being able to make their next housing payment at a rate of uh, 10%, which again is still too many people, but um, better than, than all the other states um, for that particular point. One of the areas where Vermont stands out, uh, and not in a good way, is the number of respondents with children in their households that reported feeling down, depressed, or hopeless in the previous week. And it's almost one in four uh, Vermonters, or I guess Vermont children, 
um, which is just slightly higher than the national rate of 21%. How does this compare to years past in Vermont? Uh, or are we really seeing kind of an increase in despair? I think rates of depression already are, are pretty high. Um, and even among children and youth, actually. Um, so it's kind of an intent, it's, it's one of those um, intangible, not intangible, but the policy responses have to be very uh, multifaceted or something like that. And people really right now are navigating interconnected challenges. They're always interconnected but the number of people who are navigating them has, has just ballooned. Um, the problems are the same as they have always been, but it's just the pool of people experiencing them has gotten a lot bigger. Hmm. Well, Faye, let me uh, move into your realm of the issue of hunger and childhood hunger. Um, in the late, this latest survey, Kids Count survey, 11% uh, say there's sometimes or often not enough food to eat, uh, which is not quite as bad as the national rate of 14%. Um, but I'm aware that uh, the um, Hunger Free Vermont has some statistics that are actually a little more, uh, quite a bit worse than that. I think you've been talking about one in three or one in four of Vermonters experiencing food insecurity. So maybe you could just talk a little bit about what, what accounts for that discrepancy. Yeah, sure. So, so food insecurity and hunger are really personal issues and the way that they impact different families is different for every family and hunger, hunger exists on a spectrum. So what the census pulse survey was asking is what we call severe hunger. Um, and the, the USDA and the US Census always reports two numbers. Um, one is the severe hunger and one is a broader look at food insecurity, which is looking at people who are um, struggling to buy the kinds of foods and afford the kinds of foods that their family uh, like to eat that meet their dietary and cultural um, food preferences and requirements in dignified ways. So there's a spectrum of, of how hunger is reported. And so what we're seeing with the census pulse survey is that, right, about 11% of people in Vermont are facing this really severe form of hunger. Um, and that's a lot higher than the number was for that pre-pandemic. What that survey is also showing us is that Vermont is actually one of the top states to see of, of seeing an increase in hunger. So um, while our, that number is still a bit lower than the national average, the increase from where we were before the pandemic, we're one of the top three states um, for seeing that. So people are, a lot of people are experiencing a lot of change and a lot of need right now. Why, why we, is Vermont an outlier in this, in terms of hunger? Well, what they're finding uh, in terms of the increase is that primarily rural states are seeing the most drastic increase. Um, and part of that is that uh, more urban states have historically had higher rates of hunger. So Vermont has had a lower rate of hunger compared to other, other states. And so what we're experiencing when broadly across the country, you know, huge swaths of people are losing their jobs all at once and are facing sort of this immediate economic need as a more, a higher kind of a higher rate of people in Vermont are experiencing this change. Um, 
but you also asked about about other studies and and the University of Vermont, along with a national team, have been um, running surveys in Vermont to look at hunger levels in our state and what they're finding, they're looking at kind of that broader range of food insecurity of folks who are just struggling to put food on the table. And what they're, they have found is that about one in three people in our state have faced hunger at some point during the course of this pandemic. And so that's quite a bit higher than the severe rate of hunger, which just shows that there are, are a lot of Vermonters, about 30% of Vermonters have experienced periods of economic insecurity and um, changes in their income and job loss over the last few months. And um, this is this one in three have experienced hunger is a dramatic increase from pre-pandemic times when I think it was one in 10 or one in 11 Vermonters reported that. Yeah, yeah. So before the pandemic, we were at about one in 10 Vermonters. And we had just hit that rate um, after coming down from a peak of hunger at about 14% during the Great Recession. So it took about 12 years to recover from the impact of the recession. Um, and we had just, just recovered finally uh, in terms of hunger um, about two years ago. And of course, that's a bad status quo. You know, We don't wanna go back to rates of one in 10 um, as we look forward and recover from the pandemic. Why is the figures around hunger, why is hunger and, and food security, not insecurity, why is that so slow to recover after you know an economic trauma like a recession or like a pandemic? That's a really good question. And, you know, I think it's true. I'd be interested in, in what Earhart and Sarah have to say, because I think it's true for, for people in Vermont's ability to meet a lot of basic needs, not just hunger. Um, you know, we see unemployment numbers recover faster after an economic downturn than we see the ability of people of, of poverty. So um, poverty rates in Vermont took a lot longer to recover from the recession than did, you know, unemployment rates and state GDP and other kinds of financial indicators. At an individual level, people experience recovery in different ways um, from economic downturns. So some folks give up on looking for jobs because there are none or what are available in their region they don't have the skills for or don't have the transportation to get to or face some other barrier for that employment. Um, Vermont is a state with high cost of living and we're a cold state and a hot state, depending on what time of year we're in. And so um, folks are facing, you know, higher, higher costs for things like food and housing and heat. Well, let me turn to Erhard Maka from the Vermont Affordable Housing Coalition. Um, one of the statistics coming out of this Kids Count survey, uh, Erhard, that really struck me was that overall, uh, one third of adults with children in, in the U.S., felt they were somewhat or very likely to have to leave their home due to eviction or foreclosures. Now, that's a national figure. Um, can you give us a sense of how that translates locally here in Vermont? Well, um, thanks, David, and thanks for having us on the, <clears throat> on the show. Um, I believe that uh, Vermont is doing a lot better uh, than uh, our neighbors uh, nationally on housing, and, and that's, um, it's, I think a little bit unusual because we do have uh, a high uh, high housing costs. Uh, we have a high affordability gap for renters, and uh, many uh, normally many barriers for uh, challenges for first-time homebuyers. Um, 
So it, it was a little surprising to uh, see the uh, low rate of, uh, of housing insecurity that was in the uh, in the in the survey in the report, uh, but I would say that's a testimony to uh, what I would call nothing short of an, an extraordinary response by Vermont policymakers around housing. Uh, our uh, agencies, state agencies, the executive branch, uh, lawmakers, and our uh, our community supports, our community service providers and housing providers. Um, we had an extraordinary amount of CARES Act funding through the coronavirus relief funds. So I think we had either the highest or the second highest um, per capita. Um, federal uh, relief package in the in the nation, and over uh, eighty seven million dollars of that um, was dedicated towards housing. Uh, everything from making uh, congregate homeless shelters COVID safe uh, to um, standing up hundreds of new units of affordable housing through the Vermont Housing Conservation Board and its um, its. Um, partners, our members, our association members. Um, we also uh, enacted a very uh, broad sweeping eviction and, uh, and foreclosure moratorium, um, much stronger than what the CDC did uh, nationally, uh, finally uh, towards the end of the summer, early, uh, early fall. And unlike many other states, our moratorium continues because it's built on the governor's uh, declared state of emergency. So our eviction moratorium lasts for 30 days beyond um, the emergency. And so right now it actually lasts till January 15th, whereas the weaker CDC moratorium uh, only lasts till the end of the year. And most states that had their own moratoriums, uh, have um, those have long since expired and not, not been renewed. So um, I would say that is uh, that and this extraordinary investment. Um, also, um, $25 million has been invested in uh, what we call uh, back rent or rental arrearage assistance, uh, with uh, you know a fairly low barrier for uh, eligibility um, and and no means testing, because basically the theory is that you know the governor ordered everyone to stay safe at home, and in order to stay safe at home, you got to have a home. Um, so as part of our public health response. Um, making sure that folks didn't lose their homes and were able to stay in the ones um, that they had and, and those folks who didn't have a, a, a home or a house, um, that they were housed in some way. So um, at the uh, actually just last week, my understanding is that there's about 2,400 um, folks, uh, fam um, individuals and, and families with children living in motels in the state of Vermont because we've had uh, for many years an emergency housing program that uh, provides people with, uh, with shelter uh, when there's no other shelter. Now, um, I know that, that uh, twice our normal count. nationally, we're talking about, uh, we're hearing about the possibility of an unprecedented wave of evictions as uh, the housing crisis deepens after the turn of the year. What are you expecting in Vermont? Well, it's it's very scary. I mean, so far we are not uh, we're we're not seeing anything like that because of the moratorium and because of the rental arrearage assistance. Um, but with coronavirus relief funds uh, ending on December 30th, uh, actually the applications for rental arrearage uh, dollars has has already expired. Um, unless we see a substantial uh, federal relief package, um, eventually we're going to see that in in Vermont as well. Um, and you know, as long as the governor keeps extending the um, um, the emergency declaration, of course, the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums will extend, but um, there's going to be a large bill uh, that ultimately um, will will accrue to tenants and to uh, homeowners um, that are having difficulty paying their mortgage during the, the pandemic. And, and of course, also to landlords that continue to have um, 
they have costs that they have to cover and that get covered through the rent. So we're uh, working uh, as our as our Sarah and, and Faye with our congressional delegation to make sure um, that you know federal additional federal relief is a number one in their priorities currently and and it certainly is um, and you know the machinations in DC uh, are are unfortunate that that hasn't uh, hasn't come uh, yet because I think every state needs that and uh, Vermont's going to be in really bad shape um, unless we get a, a major new infusion of federal funds. Sarah Teal from Voices for Vermont's Children, um, as we head into the new year, as CARES Act funding is uncertain, whether it continues into the new year, whether there's a new stimulus bill, um, what kind of stands out to you as the biggest concerns that you have uh, moving forward? I think um, what, what Faye highlighted about the timeline of recovery from a recession um, is something to really keep in focus because this, this is really expected to cause a still deeper recession than the previous one. And that sort of like decades long recovery um, also happened very unequally. There's sort of this the parallel phenomenon of income inequality um, and general inequity is is likely to happen again if we don't keep that in focus. So one of the recommendations of this report is also that that be the top of the list. So when policymakers are 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 moving forward with with their plans to just like build that into everything that that happens, because um, to sort of reflect on the question of why why these basic needs are the slowest to recover, it, you know, I think it's it's because what doesn't change uh, is extreme poverty. You know, like when when recovery happens, one, it takes a long time, and two, it doesn't happen for everybody. And so keeping basic needs um, in focus, realizing the crisis is actually, we're still in the middle of it. It's not like the response happened and now we just sit back and wait for recovery. You know, it's, it's still kind of an urgent situation. So I, I think that's a main takeaway. Um. Faye Mack from Hunger Free Vermont. Uh, the we're seeing a lot of racial disparities in a lot of the problems that people face, and and I, this is also a question for Earhart uh, about housing. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of hunger? Does hunger affect uh, Vermonters equally, or people in the BIPOC communities face more problems? Um, what do you see? Yeah, so so racial disparities show up in um, poverty and and all of the ways that people struggle to access basic needs and hunger is not excluded from that. So we know that people from all corners of the state are impacted by hunger, but there are some groups of people who are more likely to be impacted. And that includes BIPOC communities. It also includes families with young children. Um, and during the pandemic, we're also really seeing uh, people with lower levels of education and uh, folks who've, who've seen job disruption. Um, the University of Vermont in their studies, they found uh, this summer, they, they, did, they did one of their studies. And what they found in that really specifically is that people of color in Vermont were four times more likely than white Vermonters to be facing hunger. So that disparity is, is there with the pandemic and it's there with basic needs like hunger. 
are there efforts to address that disparity, to deal with hunger uh, differently in communities of color? I think there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, it's work that groups like Hunger Free Vermont and our other partners are deepening our engagement with. Um, I there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma around participating in programs like Three Squares Vermont, which is the most comprehensive program for addressing hunger. Um, there's a lot of stigma, and the program is complicated to get onto. So there's a lot of work to be done to help make sure that. People learn about the program, know that they're eligible for it. Um, and I think there are more, there's more work to be done to make sure that um, communities of color see programs like that as available to them. Um, there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done there. There aren't specific programs or anything like that that are really focused on, on people of color, but there is a lot of opportunity. Erhard, I wonder if you could, uh, I know that nationally we're seeing that, um, you know, back to this number of uh, uh, people who are afraid they're likely or somewhat likely to, to be lose their home or be kicked out of their home to eviction or foreclosure. Uh, it's roughly twice as many African-American respondents as whites. Um, what do we see here in Vermont and what's being done about it? Well, I, you know, since we are the second whitest state in the nation, the figures may be a little bit different for, you know, for, for Vermont. But I think we all know that, you know, due to the events of last spring and, and summer, you know, we're all undergoing, uh, you know, a, a, a reflection and consciousness raising around uh, the issues that, that face uh, Black and Indigenous and other people of color. I would say that, you know, the percentage of uh, BIPOC Vermonters that are um, below that are you know in a, in uh, in a state of poverty is is a much uh, higher percentage than uh, for the you know for the um, the the for the um, for white folks uh, and and so the need for affordable housing on, among Black and Indigenous and people of color is also much higher and and uh, disproportionate to um, the um, you know the, the the white population of uh, of Vermont. Um, we are our housing folks um, in terms of I don't have exact numbers in in front of me, but our nonprofit housers that you know are using public dollars to build and uh, own and operate affordable housing uh, also see a much higher percentage uh, of um, of black uh, Vermonters living in affordable housing, uh, as well as folks, uh, I should say, uh, with disability, uh, as well as uh, families, uh, families with children. So, you know, uh, folks who are either living on fixed income, uh, whether that's uh, through reach up uh, or through Social Security, uh, folks with disabilities, uh, folks um, who are working at lower wage service sector jobs, all need affordable housing because our market rate housing is too expensive for uh, someone without a subsidy um, that's at lower income levels to afford. And uh, again, to the extent that BIPOC Vermonters are disproportionately represented uh, among the poor, they need, um, they're in greater need of affordable housing. And of course, we know also that traditionally, you know, redlining and government policies have um, not just worked to um, increase income inequality, but especially that income and wealth inequality uh, between um, white, uh, you know, the dominant culture and, and, um, and, and BIPOC Americans. And that's true for Vermont as well. Sarah Thiel, um, I wonder what you look at as the most impactful intervention uh, in terms of the well-being of Vermont's children. Where do 
where does Vermont need to focus its efforts in as we move into the winter and then spring? Part most impactful, I would say, is all basic needs. You know, as a, as a whole, I think it's children's well-being is is such an interconnected. Um, such an in interconnected phenomenon, um, but really just our safety net, the robustness of our safety net, which we have over decades built in Vermont to be fairly strong relative to other states. And I think that has served us um, in situations like this. Uh, and to so to remember that and to remember why we have it and uh, protect just families' access to to any and all forms of basic stability and basic needs. Have schools, uh, have we come to rely too much on schools to deliver these basic services to kids so that in the absence of schools, we really face a critical situation? Well, I think that depends how well we're supporting and funding our schools. I, they, you know, schools have in this, in this situation gone above and beyond and they are paying for that. <laughs> um, and we need to appreciate where schools are located, which is that they're the centers of, of communities and they're extremely important and can be, you know, a critical resource and we should, we should fund them accordingly. Okay. Well, we're going to leave it there. I want to thank all three of you for joining us this week on the Vermont Conversation. Sarah Teal is the Research Director at Voices for Vermont Children, Faye Mack is the Advocacy and Education Director at Hunger Free Vermont, and Erhard Manka is the Coordinator at the Vermont Affordable Housing Coalition. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all shows at vtdigger.org slash vermontconversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.